Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, folks, it's 11.30pm where you find me, Catherine Whitaker, in London. It's 12.30pm where you find Matt Roberts in Malaga. And it's it's also 11.30pm where you find David Law safely tucked up in bed in in Solihull. And trust me, that is the best place for him right now. He'll be... He'll be back on another podcast coming to you soon. But uh, yeah, for once he took our advice, didn't he, Matt? So here we are. <laughs> here we are, those 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 determined Aussies. We were we were having actual conversations about an early podcast recording today and what that might look like and and how we might do it. But Alex de Menor had had other ideas. Yeah, tennis is so bizarre, isn't it? The difference between an 8pm recording and a midnight <laughs> recording was just just one little Alex de Menor. <laughs> Total feast or famine. Um, and for the drama, obviously I love the drama. I am, I'm glad the fight back happened, but obviously, well, mostly for your sleep's sake, Matt, uh, a... An earlier recording would have would have had its benefits, wouldn't it? Um, but look, we, there are upsides too in that we got a really dramatic tie. We got another deciding doubles rubber. We got another um, last minute sub in of a an unexpected singles player into the doubles lineup. Except it turns out that Yurila Hetchka is no Otto Virtanen. <laughs> and he certainly won't be feeling like an Otto Virtanen right now, will he, Matt? That's right. No, tough, tough day for Yuri Lehechka, coming coming so close to winning the singles, then being sent out again in the doubles. Look, I, I have to admit, I didn't make it to the Czech press conference at just gone midnight i i went to the australia press conference and then got the car home to record this podcast but i do wonder whether yuri lehechka sort of wanted to go back out to try and try and make amends or try and erase the memory or or, or, or something of that of that singles match that he had and you know try and try and put it on his own terms and and still try and deliver that point for czechia and look 
Czechia are not blessed with doubles options. He is their best player, so I can can understand why they would want him on on the singles uh, on the doubles court. But that was that was a tough ask after such a heartbreaking singles defeat to then and and a grueling physic physically singles match as well to then go out and, and play doubles and yeah it, it it didn't didn't pay off for Czechia but but maybe they didn't have a doubles team that could beat Ebden and Purcell maybe they maybe they simply needed to get it done in the singles I suspect that probably was the case yeah no matter no matter what the situation with Lehechka uh the, the Czechia were always going to be underdogs, heavy underdogs in that doubles, weren't they? I mean, the real, the real, real horror of Yuri Lechka's day <laughs> was in the singles, wasn't it? He, Czechia, his country are leading by um, one win to nothing, courtesy of best tennis player in the world, Thomas Mahatch, his straight sets victory over Jordan Thompson. And Yuri Lechka is playing lights out tennis, looking also not, not unlike the best tennis player in the world, he that arm of his is so fast. Sometimes he does look like he can pull off some serious stuff on his tennis court. And for about an hour and a half today, he did. And then he gets into a position of serving for the match. And look, it, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other, isn't it? Alex de Menor asked the questions and... Yuri Lehechka gave Alex de Menor and Leighton Hewitt and the Australians the answers that they wanted and needed to hear in that game. And that was kind of it, wasn't it? Except for a a circle that game moment in, in the third set when uh, Alex de Menor, having led by a break in that deciding set, he got pegged back, didn't he? And then, so they're on serve and then he goes love 40 down and you think... Wow. But then he saves it and thus broke the soul of Yuri Lehechka, <laughs> uh, who still had quite a lot of tennis ahead of him at that point in the evening. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's that's really important to highlight that game in in the third set, because, you know, I think the headline of this is Yuri Lehechka's leading the match 6-4-5-3, serving for it at 6-4-5-4 and got, look, Let's be honest, he got pretty tight. He he, he gave Alex de Menor a sniff and de Menor ran with it and did what he does. But you're right. He he then had another chance in the third set. He had that love 40 on, on the de Menor serve. And I found de Menor's body language in that final set really fascinating and and I asked him about it in the press conference afterwards because he was he was pulling off these these remarkable things he was you know scrambling defensively and hustling and yeah holding from love 40 down and just to just to the side of the court his whole teammates his whole bench of supporters were going wild and crazy and jumping up and down and and he wasn't he he was really quite calm in that final set and I asked him about that whether that was a a deliberate attempt to sort of keep a lid on those emotions and he said he said yes because earlier in the match whenever I celebrated wildly or did a big come on it brought out the best in Yuri Lehechka so he said that he sort of clocked that during the match and he and he's shifted his own demeanor on court which I thought was was really interesting and um yeah it helped him because you got the sense that he was kind of right 
right where he wanted to be. You know, he lives for those moments, Alex Dumanor, when he's when the odds are stacked against him and his back's against the wall and he's he's got the green and gold of Australia and that's that's why he plays tennis and he he delivered in all of those big moments today and you know you can just tell how how, how proud Leighton Hewitt is of him and and the rest of the team um yeah a sort of a classic Alex de Menor performance and kind of not even the most remarkable Alex de Menor comeback that I've watched in the last few weeks you know having having seen him beat Andy Murray a couple of times from from a similar sort of position of of, of it looking bleak and, and managing to turn it around and and he said that he thinks it's his reputation that kind of precedes him and was maybe in Lehechka's mind a little bit you know because Lehechka knew that Alex de Menor isn't isn't over till it's over and um, I think I think that's true I think Lehechka did get pretty tight in the big moments, having having played so well for so much of the match. And it's a technique that doesn't... It, it suddenly starts to look stiff, doesn't it? It kind of relies on that very mm. free right arm of his. Um, yeah, it, it, in, in the words of Alex de Menor himself, in, um, in his on-court post-match interview with Barry Cowan, he said, wins like that are a part of my identity. Mm. I thought that was such a, a great self-analysis. And there was a hefty whack of... Um, Leighton Hewitt's fingerprint on it as well. I mean, talk about built in his image. He must feel so misty-eyed watching Alex de Menor out there. I really do feel like Alex de Menor could be in the most horrible form imaginable. He could be playing like that Patrick bloke yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> what was his surname? The one that may or may not be less good than your mate Andy. Cal <laughs> <Kavalta. laughs> Him. I feel like Alex Dumanor could be playing like him or like your mate Andy and <laughs> Leighton Hewitt would still pick him. Do you know what I mean? Like, he is just my guy. Yeah, 100%. And and I tried to get Leighton Hewitt to, to really talk about that in the press conference. And, I, you know, I said there were some points there, you know, a, a backhand topspin lob or a side-to-side defensive hustle where, you know, we could have been watching you, Leighton. And he, he, he sort of, he was sort of shaking his head during the question. And he, he, he you know, he, but it was, it was very late and he had spent sort of seven hours on the sidelines cheering. I, I, I don't think he was at his perhaps best in that, in that press conference, Leighton Hewitt. And look, he was just saying, just, yes, he recognises that, but he's also his own man out on the court and and his own player, you know, as as you would kind of expect him to say. But I just I just can't help but but see the comparisons. You know, they are, you know, both counterpunctures, both quite sort of diminutive compared to a lot of the other players, and just they just have this this will and and this spirit about them. And and I think you know, Hewitt has been a real mentor to Alex de Menor and um it's it, it is a special connection they have he is he is as I completely agree he's just always gonna go to de Menor and pick him in every sort of situation yeah they're, they're terriers aren't they aren't they um the 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 doubles it it's another doubles I know this was the only match of the day today Matt that you weren't quite able to pay sort of point by point attention to as you do with most of the uh, the Davis Cup matches while you're there, 
It's another one that I'd say don't go back and watch. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was another really serve-dominated men's doubles match. I'm really starting to board your train of <laughs> men's doubles just isn't it as a as a spectacle. Um, certainly not ones like this where it's just it's just very one-sided. There's one team serving out of a tree. Uh, I think Ebden and Purcell dropped five point, uh, seven points on serve all match. They were winning 80% of points on their first serve and 85% on their second serve. No break points faced. It was. It felt less close to me than the scoreline, which was 6-4-7-5, I think, or 6-3-7-5. Um, they, you know, they were on paper the dominant team, and they were in practice the the dominant team, which is why it must have just been so crushing for Lahetchka to have to have been on the cusp of winning. It just felt like it went from they're just about to win to oh my god, well they've got no chance now <laughs> in about twenty minutes. Mm, yeah, and. No chance, but also you knew it was kind of going to be slow and and long because you know as as, as soon as Alex Dumanor won that won that second set in in the singles, you sort of made him favourite for the third. Okay, it was a very close third set, and he had to dig really deep, but he did win it. Then Lehechka comes out, he has to play a whole doubles match, but you know the Australians are favourite in it. Yeah, it was it was sort of inevitable, but but sort of long at the same time. And I, I felt the final sort of nail in the coffin or dagger through the heart of um of Yuri Lehechka was was the game that Ebden and Purcell broke in the second set to give them a chance to serve it out I believe I was as I looked up from from my writing I was looking at the screen and I, I believe it was two passing shot winners that clipped the net cord um to, to sort of help help them get that break for the Australians and I just thought Yuri it is. It is yeah. not your day. All the all the tennis signs are telling us that oh, it's just not your day. And as much as it must be absolutely miserable to be Yuri Lehechka right now, it might actually be more miserable to be Thomas Mahatch. I don't know. <laughs> I guess it depends on your psychology. Like, is it worse to have done your bit, played out of your mind... And st- I mean that that is team competition, isn't it? But it must still feel like, for goodness' sake, guys, you know, like Novak Djokovic alongside Viktor Troitsky in in the doubles. Um, it's rough for him because he was so good, Matt. He is so good. I know. I know we have this bit going, and look, of course, he's not the best player in the world. But when you watch him, you do just think. How is he not ranked so much higher? You know, he's, he's, I think he's currently somewhere in the seventies. And to me, skill set wise, he he he's really seems like he should be in the top twenty for sure. He he can do so many things with a tennis ball. You know, he can create angles that don't really seem to exist, and he can mix up the height and the pace and the spins of his shots. Uh, He's one of those players who's got, who's got time on the ball. You know, he he never really seems to look too rushed. Um, He can sense when a ball is short and he, he latches onto it quickly and follows it into the net. He does so many things so, so well. Um, He perhaps doesn't have the biggest serve. um, And I, I sort of asked him what, what the one thing he thinks he sort of needs to work on to, to try and get even higher in the rankings and and he immediately said mindset which 
kind of checks out because that is something that you can't see, isn't it? You know, he passes the eye test completely, but clearly there has been something holding him back. And and he mentioned this, yeah, mindset, which he didn't sort of go into detail about what that was. But, you know, I think we did see the odd little bit of it today, perhaps, where, you know, he, he, he needed two attempts to serve it out. And I think perhaps in... In some big moments, he he, he slightly backed off, uh, but generally, I thought he was he was awesome today. I love watching him play, um, and he he made life really difficult for Jordan Thompson, who had beaten Mahach earlier this year in in Miami qualifying, and, and maybe that was part of the reason why he was sent out to play him. But matchup wise, it just didn't didn't look good for Thompson because he likes coming forward. He likes coming to the net and Mahatch was passing him and he likes that target and he just made life really awkward for Thompson. So I don't know whether maybe Leighton Hewitt considered, you know, using Popper in who who is a sort of big baseliner and trying to match Mahatch that way. But yeah, I, I felt like the matchup did play into Mahatch's hands and, and I thought he was he was brilliant. I'd be I don't know. I haven't. I haven't thought through what what the matchups would be. I'm doing this off the top of my head. I would be surprised to see Jordan Thompson again. What do you think? I, I don't. I don't think I would be surprised because a bit like what we were saying about Alex Dimonor, I I do think Hewitt trusts him and and likes him because mm. he's he is dogged and determined. And um, but he perhaps didn't play that well today. He described it as a ten out of ten frustrating match. Um, they're 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 the strong favourite, I think, in that in that singles against Finland. If Rusevori can't take to the court, you know, because because then they're playing our our friend Patrick Kalkavalta again, aren't they? And, and and honestly, anyone anyone on the Australian team will beat him. I feel I feel pretty confident. I of mean, that. unless he's in a wheelchair, he can take to the court, right? What is the most outrageous example of? Sort of just a tactical deployment. They have to do that of a of a, a sacrifice of a player just to get the player that you want in at number two. Like, could he, I mean, in theory, he could limp out there, play one point, and retire. Yeah, and mm. and he's not going to do that. I mean, he has been hitting in practice. Like, he right. can play. If you're the Finnish captain, are you saying Emil? It really doesn't. I don't. I don't care what your situation is you go out there do what you can it's not about that yeah i mean he, he simply has to be on the lineup <laughs> he has to prevent patrick <laughs> what's his name from playing tennis on friday i think that's he what i'm saying i think that's what i'm saying because <laughs> look i don't think otto Virtanen is going to beat alex dimonor but no. he might beat Jordan Thompson or Alexi Popperin. That that is the best bet Finland have. And if they get it to the doubles, okay, they'd, they'd still be the underdogs because, as we said, Ebden and Purcell, great team that Australia have got. But Finland have got Harry Heliovara. He, he's a very good doubles player, and they can and they can bring in Virtanen as well. So they they could hold their own in that doubles. So they just have to desperately try and find a way to winner singles and, and the way to do that is not Kalkavalta and Virtanen. It is Virtanen and an injured Rusevori. 
I'd love to see him go out there with his leg in a cast or something. <laughs> Just it be extremely obvious what's what's happening. And I would think, fine. These are the mm. rules. Do what you gotta do. Think these are how the rules these are how the rules should be. Um and yeah. Play with it's like Ram Robin tennis, isn't it? I, I wouldn't have had a problem with Yannick Sinner not giving full effort against Holger Rune. For me, that would just have been, you know, playing playing with the hand, the round robin hands mm. that you're dealt. I'm sure there's some people that, in fact, I definitely know there are some people that would have had an if- issue with it. But yeah, I, Emil, if you're listening and you want to go out there with your leg, I don't even know what his injury is, but if you want to <laughs> go out there with a full body cast, I support you. If you went out with his, his, his racket arm in a sling... <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> um, just on the just on the Aussies, um, before we come on to, to look ahead to tomorrow's ties, because I know you've been in press conferences today with the Brits and the Serbs, I heard uh, both Leighton Hewitt and Alex de Menor on, on BBC Radio earlier. Br- Russell Fuller of BBC Radio is is out there in Malaga and he had a good chunk of time on their, on their sports program this evening and obviously it was mostly dedicated to the GB team but there was also some existential Davis Cup stuff um, he had a interview with David Haggerty and Mark Woodford who uh, works for the ITF as as well talking about sort of consulting on tweaks to the format and so on and there was a, a clip from from Alex de Menor from from the preview press conference rather than from tonight's press conference um, saying that he hates the format, that he would change it back in a heartbeat, saying exactly what Leighton Hewitt said about it when asked. Um, and I do I do respect Australians' right to feel particularly aggrieved about it because while Mark Woodford was on the radio, Russell, Russell Fuller put it to, to Mark Woodford that Australians are far less likely to ever have these Davis Cup finals at home in Australia. And Mark Woodford said, no, we'd, we'd love it if Tennis Australia put a bid in, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I don't, I, I, I'm sure he means that in principle, but I think in practice that's pie in the sky, really. Um, and I, yeah, I, I really respect the Australians' right to feel particularly hard done by by being denied uh, home and away ties like they used to have. But I also so respect that they are able to make space for that strength of negative feeling about the changes to the competition and the resentment about how, about how it impacts them, about how it impacts tennis, but also how it impacts them personally. And yet their, their strength of commitment to doing their best in the competition regardless. It's such a grown-up position that they're able to take, make, making space for those two things. They, Alex de Menor is still, you know, quoting Stefanos Sitsipas, willing to die out there, isn't he? Letting Hewitt's still on the verge of giving himself a coronary the whole time for this competition that they they feel deep in their soul has been trashed. Mm. And trashed to their particular detriment. I just think it's so grown up of them to not cut off their nose to spite their face. Yeah, I 
could not agree more. I, I really respect their right to think that this competition could be better than it is and their disappointment and frustration that they're, you know, that they're not getting to play ties at home and, and with the current format that that seems even more likely. And, and, and also the way the format works is sort of if you, if you do well in it and Australia continually do well in it, it makes it less likely that you're going to get a home tie because you don't have to play the qualifiers, for example. You know, Australia got straight through to, um, to this year's finals in, in or the group stages of, of the finals in September because they were, you know, because um, they were runners up last year and they may well be in that, in that position again. So their own commitment is sort of part of, part of the reason why they're not getting these home ties because they're committed and they're doing so well. Um, and there have been other big tennis nations who have got uh, a great sense of respect and history and tradition in this competition who, who haven't managed to balance out their strong feelings of resentment for the format changes with a commitment to to still doing so well kind of kind of looking at you france like <laughs> france mm. france have been very absent from the davis cup finals you know they i don't think they've sort of been in it since the format changed at the latter stages and you know part of that is they don't quite have the same strength of players that they that they used to have but they're not that much worse than Australia, really, when you think of, you know, Manorino and Umber and Feast. You know, there's there's plenty of good French players, but the whole attitude of that nation now towards towards the Davis Cup is is pretty negative. And I understand it, but they they haven't been able to overcome that in the way that the Aussies have. And for Leighton Hewitt in particular, the fact that he's you know, he's out there as captain, you know, and 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 he spoke about the fact that he he just feels like he owes Australian tennis. He you know he felt like they gave him so much, and he says I owe it to them to get to get these boys. He called he calls them all boys, and uh, you know another trophy. And it, it's it's been it's been twenty years since Australia won the Davis Cup, which equals the longest ever drought for Australia in this tournament. You know going all the way back to when they first used to win it as Australasia. I think they've won it 28 times altogether and they've never had a period longer than 20 years without winning it. And that, that previous 20-year period was 1919 to 1939. You know, they are a proud nation in Davis Cup and they don't like the new format, but they still like the essence of the competition and, and giving their all. And, and I really do respect that. And it, it's, it's led by Leighton Hewitt and in, in Alex Dumanor, he, he's got someone who just, who just totally gets it. Yeah, absolutely. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. 
Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now. And we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of Real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want salon perfect nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. Right, looking ahead to tomorrow, this is when things get fun slash sleep deprived, depending <laughs> on how you look at it and uh, what part of the world you're in right now, because we step things up to two quarterfinals tomorrow. We have Italy against the Netherlands at 10 p.m. local time, 10 a.m. local time rather. And then we have Serbia against Great Britain at 4 p.m. local time. Um, you spoke to the Serbs and to the Brits today, Matt. Is that right? Yes, uh, was was in those press conferences. Um, quite interesting. They Serbia made the point that it's been hard to find left-handed practice partners because GB is a is a very very left-handed team. You know, you got you got Jack Draper. Cameron Norrie and also Liam Brody has has come in and he's also left-handed. So all of the singles players are left-handed. Um, so Djokovic said, "Yeah, we've we've kind of been we've kind of been struggling to find hitting partners." But then Draper made the point that it's kind of tricky for the Brits as well because they're practicing with each other and 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 they need to be playing right-handers. Um, they have brought a couple of juniors <laughs> with them who are right-handed. Um, and yeah, I just I just think Leon Smith sort of said kind of what we were talking about the other day in that, sure, they are missing Andy Murray and they are missing Dan Evans. But in some respect, there have been some advantages to, to players not being available in that it's very clear now what what the task is for Britain. No one's wondering about who's playing. No one's wondering about what their position is in the team, wondering what about what the possible doubles team might be. Okay, they've lost the element of surprise, but they're also able to just fully prepare for individually their own task at hand. I suppose I suppose Jack Draper doesn't quite know who he's going to be playing. Um, there are some options there with Jero or Ketsmanovic or Lajevic. I If I had to predict, I think it would be Jero, but I'm not not confident about that. Um, but, you know, and for Cameron Norrie, I was reminded that the last time he played Novak Djokovic, there was there was some aggro, wasn't there? Because Norrie 
yeah. Norrie hit the ball at him and, and Djokovic did not enjoy that at all. Agro that was since stoked by Andy Murray <laughs> yes. on Instagram. On, on the Instagram comments. <laughs> mm. Delicious. Yeah. Do, do, fantastic. Yeah, right in the sweet spot. Um, do, do you think the loss of surprise is a factor at all? I mean, in terms of number one, doesn't matter. It's Novak Djokovic. Don't think he gives two hoots who he who he plays on whatever team. Um, in terms of the number two position, they're not being them being denied any element of surprise at all, especially given that Jack Draper is a lefty, and mm. you know, I suppose generally speaking, that that could be um, just a bit of an ace up the sleeve, couldn't it? You know, you've been practicing against righties, and boom, lefty. Mm. Yeah. I, I think I think it's a factor, uh, but equally, I think it's good for Jack Draper to know well in, well in advance that he's playing and just get just get ready, mm. just get in the mindset. You know, he, he and he knows he has to win that match. That that is a must win match for Jack Draper because look, Cameron Norrie, even in the best form in the world, I'm not backing him to beat Novak Djokovic. Cameron Norrie. Out of form, I'm not backing to beat Novak Djokovic. Cameron Norrie out of form against Novak Djokovic in Davis Cup, who hasn't lost a completed match in this competition since 2009. He's won 20... Yeah, you might as well say, uh, might as well send Patrick over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for real. He, he's won 20 matches in a row in this competition, Novak Djokovic. <sighs> and, that, and that was a retirement his last loss is is it's a longer streak if you include completed matches he's he's desperate to win it for serbia he he's made he's made that clear how much of a priority it is the fact he's here just shows that that that, that it's a priority you know coming off the back of of Turin. but i i am desperate to see novak djokovic in a deciding doubles match i really really want to see that he go on jack just give us yeah. that that's what I want. He, he he's lost four of his last five Davis Cup doubles matches, Djokovic, and you know, sort of with with different partners. You know, it, who do you think his preferred partner is? Because he will get to choose, right? Mm. Ultimately, what what Novak Djokovic wants, he gets, and yeah, it, it, quite right too. It, it was very, it was highly amusing. His well, I said his press conference. Yes, that's that's what I mean. It was it was the team press conference, and it went on for twenty minutes and. Novak Djokovic spoke for, I would say, 19 minutes and 50 seconds. And there was <laughs> there was just a 10 seconds of Viktor Troitsky in there. And um, and he said, he said, you know, when it comes to doubles, we don't have a we don't have double specialists. We're singles guys. But, you know, we're all ready to to play in the various combinations. And I was like, mm, you mean you mean you're ready to pick your partner? Um, I. I think Ketsmanovic, but I'm basing that Ooh. I'm basing that purely on the fact that they entered Paris together a couple of weeks ago. Mm, and yes, forgot that. And played a match. Yeah, why that that was a rogue move, wasn't it? Why would you do that yeah. unless I, yeah. I suppose Djokovic hadn't played in a few weeks. Maybe he just wanted some reps, some matches. Um, but the fact he you know picked a. Serbian partner and he's, he knows he's got this Davis Cup coming up. Maybe that was a little hint. Um, and the other reason I'm excited for this tie is because 
we're expecting a great crowd. I think, you know, yesterday we had the amazing Finnish support. Today was fine. You know, it, it wasn't electric, but there was a good number of supporters from each country there, particularly the Czechs, of course. Um, but tomorrow, the word is that there's going to be 5,000 British fans in the arena. 3,000 have have bought tickets through the LTA and are, are sort of coming over from from Britain, supposedly. And then they're expecting a couple of thousand expats or, you know, people people who are out here to come as well. And Djokovic hinted that they're expecting plenty of sort of Serbian support as well. And, you know, I think when Djokovic is playing, we, we, we always see pockets of loud Serbian support, don't we? So I'm expecting that to be the case. So I think it I think it could be pretty pretty fiery, which is, you know, absolutely what we want. Absolutely. That sounds fantastic. Um Italy against the Netherlands to start the day tomorrow. Yannick Yannickson is gonna play, I think. Unless you tell me otherwise. Yeah, no, I think so. Um I I'd be surprised if he if he came here and then didn't play, you know, it, 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 Well, Elena Rabakina says hi. <laughs> Touche. Um but I really don't know who's gonna who's gonna be their number two. I I, I like I like our now who, who would you pick? I would pick Sonigo. Okay. I like I like Arnaudi generally. I think I think he's a a, a, a very good player on the rise, he just, but he doesn't have a lot of experience. I like Musetti on clay, and I like I like Sonigo in Davis Cup. Musetti's not been doing anything, has he? Musetti's been quite bad. Yeah, I I I think that would I think that mm. would be a risk. I mean, maybe he will play. I would, I would... Uh, he's he's certainly been he's certainly been practicing very hard. Musetti he's sort of been practicing. Has he? Like he is going to play. I don't know. He doesn't strike me as a Davis Cup guy, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I think that's a big, I'd... big call for uh, Valandri mm. to to get that one right. And the Netherlands, any possibility of any surprises there? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that's going to be Van der Zandskulp and mm-hmm. Greek Spore. And Greek Spore's at one, yeah. isn't he? He's their number one now, so... That, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I, I, in my head, those two players are pretty even. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of teams with a, with a vast gap between one and two mm-hmm. in this competition, and they have, they don't have one extraordinary. They, you know, they don't have a Novak Djokovic or a Yannick Sinner, but they've got two really solid yeah. top. I mean, Van der Zandschulp's dropped off a bit, but he's a U.S. Open quarterfinalist, isn't he? he tops, they're both extremely solid top thirty-ish. I think we. I think uh, singles um, ranking fifty-one yeah, at the moment. That sounds Van der Zandschulp, about right. Yeah, but yeah, and decent doubles team as well. Yeah, that it's really it's, it's less it's less eye-catching than the Serbia GB tie, but it is interesting in its own way. That tie very and and exactly as you say, I think. I think it's one of those ties where Italy are the favourites. You know, they have they have one of the form players in the world. But if it goes to the doubles, it flips. And I think the Dutch mm. become the favourites. So that mm. that's always interesting when that happens. So again, I would like I'd like that to go to a, a deciding doubles. Basically I just want deciding doubles always. Um but 
if it does go to the deciding doubles, we could be in for a very late day because they give themselves six hours to get that that first session done. But oh, no. it feels it feels unlikely that if it if it goes to the doubles that that GB Serbia is going to be starting on time. Sleep well, David. We need you back tomorrow. <laughs> Or maybe not. Maybe it'll be just me and Matt and that'll be fun too. Um, but two ties. I, th- I mean, David will be up watching it, won't he? he? Will. That's the thing. He won't be, he won't be able to resist. <laughs> Somehow he resisted uh, Max Purcell and Matt Ebden serving serving at 90%. <laughs> winning 90% points on serve today. I don't know, don't know how he resisted that. Um, right, well, that's tomorrow. Any other business from, from today, Matt, before we wrap things up? Uh, just the point that Novak Djokovic was making about the formats. He, he was asked uh, by by Simon Briggs actually about the hey. current Davis Cup format and sort of just what he makes of it. And he, I think he just, I think he just raised an interesting point that he he sort of prefaced it all by saying. I don't have a perfect format in mind, you know, and I think it's very hard to come up with one. But he he just made the point that he thinks the finals always being in Spain as they as they have been for the last few years is a bit of a problem. And the fact that so few nations are getting to play home ties you know, because of, of of the group stage element, and I'm I'm torn on that because I totally agree with him that it feels like the Davis Cup is a is a tournament. You know, it's a global international tournament. It's a tournament that travels, and it, it does feel a bit wrong to me that we're constantly in Spain for the finals, especially when Spain are not even here. At the same time, mm. I do think we are seeing this year the benefit of the fact that they knew that this was going to be the venue a year in advance and they were able to sell tickets and it does feel like the event has grown a bit you know there's there's an awful lot of branding of this event around the city and i think the sort of continuity is quite helpful and it lets people know that it's you know, a very legitimate competition that they might want to go to. And, you know, the fact that we're seeing so many Brits travelling and the fact that we've seen so many Finnish fans here and I think we're expecting a decent number of Dutch fans, you know, I think it's all it's all helpful when you know what the venue is well in advance. And that was that was always a problem with the old format, maybe less so for the final because it was the final, they could sell it out. But you know, we we do look back at the old Davis Cup through rose tinted glasses. That there were amazing mm. atmospheres. There absolutely were, and it was sort of better than anything that the new format has given us for sure. But there were a lot of ties home and away where federations were scrambling to find a venue just just a couple of months in advance, and they couldn't they couldn't sell the tickets, and they weren't always brilliantly attended. That that is just a fact, and the element of knowing the venue in advance is is definitely a selling point. So I thought it was just an interesting point that he raised. And, um, yeah, sort of feeling-wise, existentially, I sort of agree with him. But sort of the financial model says that, that sort of this one is is better. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes quite hard to argue with that. So 
you know, just to sort of bring it back round, it just comes to there is kind of no perfect format here. And what we do understand is that there are absolutely no plans to change the format next year. It's going to be it's going to be the same. But I do believe that discussions are taking place about what the format might look like in, in 2025. There's a there's some new board members at the ITF and I think they've all got sort of new ideas and yeah, so it, it may well evolve in, in 2025 next year. It, it, it's not going to be any different to what it is now, but it's, it's just always on everyone's mind. What, what is the best format for this competition and everyone, fans, players, media, ITF staff and decision makers, you know, everyone's thinking about it and everyone's got a slightly different perspective and angle and it, it's so, so hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a good point. You can you can agree that this is not ideal whilst also the 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 looking back the looking back with rose tinted glasses is such an important point, isn't it? Because we do that with everything in life. You know, mm. we remember the good stuff. Um Google Photos gave me a uh, <laughs> you know, you know it packages up a group mm. of photos and just presents it to you whether you whether it's something you want to be presented remember, with or not. I, it pres- I remember that being like an attack during the pandemic where it was like, look what you were doing well, a year ago. Yeah, absolutely. I actually, t- I, I think I deleted Google <laughs> Photos during that time. Well, that is uh, sort of related because today I got a, it gave me a beautiful montage of, of 2020 and it made 2020 look like a banging year. <laughs> right. They just picked out the best, you know, the, the, the three occasions on which I smiled, probably all of them during a during a podcast. It looked it looked. I was like, oh, take me back. That looked great. Um, but it's that, isn't it? You know, that's you remember the good stuff, just like Google Photos. Um, okay, that's it for today. I think, unless you have any other other business. No, that that is your lot. Only at sleep. Ten past one. Only sleep. Right, Matt, get to bed. David's been in bed for about two hours, which is. Absolutely the right thing for David. Um, And and yet also about two hours after he originally said he was going to bed. Mm, That is what annoys me. (laughs) He says, I'm going to get an early night tonight. And I punch the air and I say, brilliant, David, yes. And then at about 9.30, he starts talking about going to bed. And I'm like, yeah, this is good. Yeah, great. And then at 11pm, he's still sending random messages about unimportant (laughs) stuff. (laughs) Non-time sensitive stuff. <sighs> anyway, oh, what an We love you, David. <laughs> we love you, David. <laughs> Hope you're deeply asleep. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another podcast wrapping up those two really exciting looking ties. Um, I was going to say hoping to have had two decisive double robbers, but. I don't know. That doesn't mean good things for your sleep, does it, Matt? <laughs> anyway, we'll see. We'll see what the day holds. We, of course, have our mascots. I've got Xenia. Xenia, we were denied the opportunity to to throw a hail mary this week uh, and choose Finland. So we've got, I think, Italy. But don't feel great about that. Uh, Matt's got Darwin. No. Yeah. Yes, you do have Darwin. Yeah. I thought you did a face at me there, like, no, I don't. Maybe it was a face <laughs> of my prediction isn't going to come off. Well, Finland. <laughs> hey, we made it. Oh, you've, you've got Finland. You're the round. reason I couldn't have Finland. Yeah. 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 Uh, David's got Maisie and Australia. 
No. Uh, Matthew in, in, in the newsletter went for Australia. I, d I don't actually know who, who David went for in the end. Let me, let me check. Was it Czechia? No, he wouldn't have gone for the Czechs. Dun, da, da. I'm, I'm now sc scrolling, trying to find our own newsletter. Great radio, in my, it's, um, it's great. <laughs> in my inbox. Oh, I'll do a plug for the newsletter while you're doing that. Do subscribe to the newsletter, folks. We don't usually disclose what's in there like we are doing here. Dave, David wouldn't let this happen on his watch. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, it's a tease, David. It's a tease. <laughs> had so many emails from, uh, from people about the Davis Cup. David went for Serbia. Oh, did he now? Yeah. So obvious, isn't he? <laughs> okay. Right, we'll do subscribe to the newsletter. Um, Billy Jean is sponsored by... The birthday girl, Billie Jean King, hey. is 80 years young today. Happy birthday, Billie Jean King. Happy and birthday. And of course, she played tennis on her birthday, and that makes us all so happy. Mm. Um, flushing those yeah. forehands, happy, I saw. Flushing them, absolutely. Happy birthday, Billie Jean. We have our top folks and executive producers, Jamie, Hannah and Drew. Hello to you and thank you. Uh, and we will save shout outs for when David is here because an, a name connected only with somebody obscure from the 90s <laughs> will come up. And then where would we be without David Law? So shout outs will be back when David's back and when we're all together, which will maybe be tomorrow, but will certainly be very soon. We will back some combination of us definitely involving Matt Roberts because he's holding this thing together we'll be back tomorrow uh, with another Davis Cup daily show thanks for listening we'll speak to you then step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.